You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Thank you very much, Gail. Um, a lovely introduction. Remember, give us a good reminder of uh, of the past and where we've come from. But yeah, uh, great to be with you uh, this morning. As as has been said, our guy has been here this weekend, um, serving you and hopefully uh, helping in the best way we can the Influence Church in the different locations this weekend. So I know they've had a great time. I know they've enjoyed it, and hopefully they've been a blessing to to all of you as well. So yeah, so I'm. From Barnet Castle, I'm nearly at that point where I've been in Bolton for half of my life, so I'm getting to that stage. So my accent, you might be thinking you don't sound like you're from Barnet Castle, um, but it's, it's, it's on the slide, I think. It's, it's, it's kind of becoming more Bolton, so I apologise for that. Uh, I know Bolton's maybe not the most of uh, appealing accents, if I can put it that way. There's worse, but yeah. When I, when I first moved to Bolton, everyone was calling me a Geordie, and I was like, I'm really not a Geordie. I was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand me if I was a, a proper Geordie. Uh, but yeah, so it's great to be back in Barney. Uh, I do remember the first um, the launch service of Influence Church, Barney Castle, which was at Teesdale School, uh, which uh, I came up for. So it's brilliant to be able to see from there, and obviously keep coming back when we come up visiting, visiting the family and just see the journey that you guys are on. Uh, hopefully can, uh, can help, helpfully speak into to that tonight. So yeah. It's brilliant to be here. Uh, so yeah, who loves the question, does anybody want a drink or does anybody want a brew, as everyone says? Who loves that question? Now in our uh, workplace, we work in the, the offices at church, uh, that's a question that we kind of listen out for all the time. So at different points, people will, will walk around, come, to, come around the offices and say, does anybody want a brew? Does anybody want a, a drink? Uh, and different hands go up. There's certain people always say yes. I'm one of those always looking for, for a hot drink. Uh, some people will always be a no. But that question gets asked a lot. Uh, sometimes I'll go around and ask that question, offer, offer the brews. Um, but I believe people are doing that. They're putting incredible pressure on themselves. That is a question that comes with, with great responsibility. Now, in the office, a lot of people have their own mugs, don't they? So they will they'll bring mugs in. Some people have used the general ones that are there. Now, this might be you and your families as well. When you have family around, they're asking who wants a brew, and you get quite a few answers from different people what they want. But the first thing is the pressure comes when you're deciding what mugs to use. So even if there's a name on it and it's obvious whose it is, like there's a lot of Sue's in our office, so you might get the wrong Sue and give the wrong Sue the wrong mug. Uh, Obviously, you get, you get what you put in, you get your tea, then there's decaf, there's the decaf drinkers, so that you don't put a, a non-decaf tea bag in the, the decaf drinker's mug. Um, the coffee and everything that comes like that. Then there's milk, isn't there? Now, what colour milk people want? So I'm a, I'm a blue milk drinker. Any of the blue milk drinkers in? Any green milk drinkers? Any red milk drinkers? There's a few red milk drinkers as well, yeah. So especially the red milk drinkers. If you put a green milk in a red milk drink, then that's, you've really messed up there. Um, and all these things create this different pressure when you're making um, a drink for people and then taking around, make sure you don't spill them, and, and all this adds to that pressure. Uh, you think when I come up to my parents' house, I think oh, that would be nice and easy. You're with family, that the pressure's, pressure's gone there. But when it's, it's different when I get to my mum and dad's house, to Mary and David's, um, 
you make a brew that there. I'd so get say maybe five, six people wanting a brew when the family are all there. So I'd get five or six mugs out, put one tea bag in each mug as I would normally do. But no, that is wrong. You've, too, you've used too many tea bags, is what I always get told. So there's a different pressure there not to use, not to waste too many tea bags. I think if the rule is in the foster house, if you get past three brews, then you're making a pot of tea. And you should be putting three tea bags in a teapot. Does anyone else, is that kind of the rule for everyone else? Three, three drinks and it's a teapot now? Everyone's like individual. We're, we're split there. We'll get to another thing in a minute which might cause even more debate. But, um, but yeah, the pressure that comes with making a tea can be quite intense. So I thought, we'd, yeah, we'd have a bit of a debate. We've got a brew chart here, or a tea chart. Apologies to any coffee drinkers. There's only coffee drinkers in. Don't drink too, quite a few, yeah. But we've got a tea chart here. So this is how strong people like their tea. So we'll go row by row. So row one, we've got what across the top, A, B, and C. Anybody, would anybody like completely no milk? Anyone have the tea like that? One of you at the back, yeah. Um, row two there, maybe like a, a dash of milk in the middle. Okay, that shows me that I always make Johnny's brews too weak and put too much milk in that he's raised his hand there. Row three, a few for row three there. Yeah, I'm probably kind of a B3 there maybe um, in the middle. I feel that's a a normal brew. Yeah, getting some reassuring nods. That's that's helping me out. And then row four, any row fours? Anybody would be like C4. Anybody putting a hand up for C4? C4? Yeah. I don't think that's an adult drink. I think you should maybe be upstairs in the, with the kids' ministry if you drink C4. Okay, yeah. But yeah. But there is a pressure, isn't there, to get in the right drink for what people want, how they like their, their, their tea or their brew. Um, this, uh, this evening I'm going to talk about um, a different kind of pressure when it comes to providing drinks for people. So in the... Uh, a few weeks ago, one of my children asked me, they said, what, what happens if we don't drink? Or how long can I go if we're not having a drink? And I was a bit intrigued to why they were asking me this question. Um, but it is very quickly, isn't it, that we can't survive without water or can't survive without a drink um, for longer than a couple of days. When I'm at work, sometimes I feel like more than a couple of hours, I think I need, I need another drink to keep me going, to get me through the day. But our bodies are made so that we need to keep drinking, we need to stay hydrated so that our bodies can function properly, we can survive, we can have the energy to fulfill and live out our day, don't we? Now, the Old Testament, uh, people didn't have brews, they didn't have teas and coffee rounds uh, that we're talking about now. But the way people would source their water would be by digging wells. For a community to have their water that they could, could get their, um, their supply from, that they could drink from, that they would uh, enable them to survive, they had to dig wells so their family, so their community so could access water and have something to drink. It's a bit of a different pressure, isn't it, that you've got to dig a well to be able to drink some water, that that well doesn't run dry, that you've got a well in that community that people can access and get that water. So it was a source for the whole community. It was so important that each community, each place that had somewhere they could go to access that water, a well that was dug in the ground, giving that to provide for them. I'm talking about water this evening. In the Bible, it talks about how water represents God's spirit. Uh, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39 it says this, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Here, Jesus is saying, giving this analogy, actually, that water, that rivers of living water will flow from people that come to him for a drink. Those that are thirsty come to Jesus, and he will give them something to drink. That is talking about God's spirit working in and through our lives. For us, that we need that water on a physical level, but actually spiritually, we need that time spent with God to sustain us, to keep us going day by day. We need to have that source in our life that we're actually seeking God first, that we come to him when we are thirsty, when we're in times of need. It says there, come to me and drink if you're thirsty. It doesn't say that living water will flow from you when you get the right job that you want. It doesn't say living water will flow when you find that right relationship. It doesn't say living water will flow when your child achieves all you want them to achieve. It doesn't say living water will flow when this, that, or the other. It says living water will flow from you when we come to God, when we seek him. When we turn to Jesus, that is when God is going to let that living water, let his spirit work through in and in our lives. So often we can, we can have that mindset, can't we, where we think, if I can get all my ducks in a row, if I can get everything sorted out, then I'll be content, then I'll be happy, then everything will feel okay. But Jesus is making it clear here, saying, no, actually, if you're thirsty, if there's something you're longing for, if there's something you're, you're desperate for in your life, come to me. I am the person that restores you. I am the person that refreshes you. I am the person that replenishes you. Let God be your strength. Let God be the person that you seek first and foremost in your life. That sustenance, your living water in your world. I'm going to look at a story in Genesis chapter 26. Um, this is all about digging wells, as we've talked about. Um, so in this, this point, Abraham, he'd dug wells for his family. Uh, so that all of his, this family, the, the community, the different places where they lived, they had places to, to drink. Um, but the, those wells had been, had been filled up, and now it's time for Isaac, who's Abraham's son, um, for it's kind of his turn in leading. Abraham's died, and Isaac is now leading his family, leading God's people. In that. And this is the story and this journey that God takes him on, and something that I think God can really speak to us this evening. Um, this story, it starts with obedience. It's a recognition of doing it God's way. Like we've said that We've got to first and foremost recognize that it's God who supplies our needs. It's God who that we come to day in, day out. Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God with your plans and purposes? Is it that you're putting God in the center of those? Genesis chapter 26. So I'm going to read through different parts of it um, throughout um, this message. But Genesis 26, verses 2 to 5, first and foremost. It says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees and instructions." So there we hear God's promise to this family. But it starts with positioning himself through obedience. It starts with, do not go down to Egypt. 
Egypt might have been the obvious human choice. They're in a time of famine here for where they need to go to source that water. But it starts with obedience, recognizing, no, God knows better. I want to follow God's plans for my life. And from that point, God takes him on this incredible journey. Isaac's decision then impacts his whole family, the whole group of people. And for us as as influenced church, that actually if we're going to influence this town, if we're going to influence um, our communities, our families, the the neighborhoods where we live, actually our decisions are going to do that. The way we live our lives are going to carry that influence in our worlds. I encourage you that people will see how you live your life. People will see how you speak. People will see how you act. Actually, for, for us, if we live in that obedience to God, God is going to continue to bless and do incredible things through that. As you look at, at Barney, the, uh, and the, the place that we live in, each community, like, like then, each community needed a well to be dug. Barney needs people that are going to dig wells for this community. It needs well diggers to dig into God's presence. Actually, we're going to provide something for this community. It means that God's spirit can flow in and through this place. God's spirit can touch the lives of those that are unreached. God's spirit can touch the lives of those in need that have never come into contact um, with him. So as I take you through this story that hopefully it'll help you to to recognize and get that passion for actually, for, for us to reach this town, to reach this community, it's going to take well diggers. It's going to take people to dig into God's presence to do that. So through this story, Isaac and his family dug four wells. So the first well, so this is Genesis 26, verses 12 to 20. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines had stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you've become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Essek, because they disputed with him. So this first well that they had named here was called Essek, which means dispute. The first thing that I want to share this evening is that well diggers seek truth. Well diggers seek truth. And we live in a time when what is true, what is right, and what is not is disputed too many times in a day, I think we can safely say. Um, but so much is up for dispute and argument and quarreling, isn't it? That we look in the news, we look on social media, and, and everything seems to be like an argument. That obviously we've got what. In recent times, what people should be paid, there's people disputing over that, about what laws we have, that obviously if you follow football, and I used to watch him match today on a Saturday night, Gary Lineker, and his dispute of what he should be able to say and what he can't say, and what is right for the government to do and what is wrong, that everything is becoming a dispute over how people should live and how we should be able to behave. But well diggers have got to seek God's truth. We've got to be a people that actually look to what God's word says first and foremost. Say, God, I want to stand on what you say is right. What you say is right for me and my life. 
so often we can, we can look at um, the society and what is kind of normal in our society and think, well, if that's what everyone else is doing, then surely that must be okay. But actually God is, is asking us to do more. He's asking us to look at his word and say, what is my truth? That his word isn't just relevant for 2,000 years ago, but actually God's word is relevant for us today and for us to stand on that truth day in, day out. There's so many people in our world that are never going to dig into God's word to find their truth, are they? It's our responsibility to actually dig into those places so that we can offer and we can bring that into our world. The, the, the unheard, the unseen, that God's word can actually be the transformational word on our lips to people in those conversations. Having that heart to dig so people can experience that for themselves, so people can taste and see how good God is, that we have got to do that for them initially. Our heart should be always for not just ourselves and our relationship with God, but outward looking for our world around us, for people that maybe have never entered a church, have never walked in through our church doors. Has anyone heard of the drink Prime? There's a few, a few hands going up there. Has anybody tasted the drink Prime? A few, yeah. Um, was it, how much did you pay? Stephen, how, did you, how much did you pay for a bottle of Prime? Three pounds. Was that from a shop? wasn't second hand off someone else, so three pounds. Was it worth the three pounds? No, it wasn't worth the three pounds, okay. Um, but Prime, for anyone that's not aware of the drink Prime, it was created, uh, I think, last year by a couple of YouTubers, a couple of influencers that made this new drink. Uh, and because of who they are, uh, the demand for this drink has gone through the roof. So shops had kind of sold out um, straight away. That people were selling bottles on eBay for like 20 pounds. And people were desperate that when a shop kind of came in stock, people were queuing outside for hours just to get bottles of Prime. Uh, and the demand for it was ridiculous. And as Stephen has verified for us, it's not worth, it's not worth the hassle. I have had a drink of Prime myself and it's, it's okay. You, you, uh, just eat your normal drink really. It's, it's the, the whole story behind it, isn't it? But actually if we had that demand, if we had that hunger for actually God's word, for, to spend time with God, to, um, to get ourselves into his presence, how different would our worlds look like? How different would our communities look like? That in that instance, given that, that picture of actually how much people can thirst after something, for something that they don't really need, that they shouldn't really be spending 20 pounds on a bottle for, but actually experiencing God's presence, if we had that same hunger and that passion, that desire to get into God's presence and dig into that, how much different would our world be? Well, diggers seek truth. In the face of dispute, I think one of the, the most important things for us to do is to keep digging into God's presence. Uh, the story of Daniel uh, is, is brilliant to show this, that as the king changed the law in Daniel's country, say that nobody could pray to Daniel's God, the first thing he did was went home and was got into God's presence and started praying. The first thing he did was actually say, no, I'm going to, he didn't argue the law, he didn't create a, a disagreement, he didn't create a battle, he went home and he dug and started digging into God's presence in prayer. And in those times, I think, of, of dispute, in those times of disagreement, in these times when you feel like there's, there's just a constant battle going on, I encourage you to keep digging into God's presence, keep digging into his truth and standing on his word. And we know that we serve a faithful God, that he is the one that's going to bring breakthrough. He is the one that's going to bring transformation in our communities and in our town. So well diggers seek truth. Um, the second well that they dug, so verse 21 it says, then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Second, uh, so this, 
second well, sorry, um, sit now, which means opposition. So the second thing that well diggers do is well diggers persevere. Now, I've never dug a well myself. Uh, I'm not um, keen to a lot of manual kind of hard work. Uh, but um, the, I can presume and I can guess that well digging is, is hard work. That well digging is not an, an easy task. Um, and we can see from, from Isaac and his family that it took perseverance. That this journey that God was taking them on, that wasn't just a straightforward obedient, one-step kind of journey of obedience, but God's taking on a journey of faith to teach them something. And it took some perseverance. You can see this incredibly through Isaac and his family, that in his, in his own son, Jacob, that we sang about Jacob um, before, that actually uh, Jacob, that he was, he was a scrapper. He came out grabbing his brother's heel. Uh, he, came, he was someone who cheated his own brother out of his father's blessing. And then even a few chapters later in Genesis 32, we read how he wrestles with God. And in that wrestle with God, he says, I'm not finishing until you have blessed me. But he was someone who persevered. And I wonder how much of that he learned from his family in this journey of welding. Well diggers have got to persevere. What is it that God has laid on your heart? Is it a family member? Is it someone in your neighborhood, someone in your town? Who is it that God has laid on your heart where you're desperate to see breakthrough, you're desperate to see transformation? I implore you to persevere in prayer for them. Persevere in whatever God is asking you to do in obedience and to see God's spirit impact their life. What is in your heart that God is asking you to do that? Do not be someone that gives up. God is looking for a partnership, not puppets. That often we... And we can think, well, God, God can do anything. I'll, I'll leave, it, leave it with him. But God's not looking for puppets that he can um, just move around. A puppet has no control. A puppet makes no decisions. It is simply moved by a puppet master, isn't it? But God is looking for a partnership in that, that he will bring breakthrough and transformation. But he is asking us to, to work with him, to pray, to, to impact, to go, to talk, to be his hands and feet, to be the light of in this world. See, we worship a God that he would leave the 99 to go and save the one. There's a story where the sheep gets lost, um, and he says, I would leave the 99 just to go and find that one. His heart for people, um, we, we can't even imagine how much God loves each and every one of us. And the people in your world, God cares so much about them, and he wants to partner with you in seeing their life change. He wants to see, um, partner with you in seeing um, people heal, seeing lives restored, seeing relationships fixed, seeing God work in such incredible ways. Right? Is your heart for the people in your world? Can you keep digging and persevering in what God is asking you to do? The call of God is not an easy one. That the, whatever age you are, however long you've been on your journey of faith, that there will be good times, there'll be incredible times, there'll be hard times as well. And often God causes that to, to that longevity to that integrity when times are hard, but God is asking you to do the right thing. Those that are willing to sacrifice, those that are willing to, to give what they can, to even in times are tough, when times are hard, God is saying, actually, I want to use you. I want to use your, your story. I want to use your journey to do something incredible. God is looking for well diggers that will persevere in the face of opposition, that will push through. The third well that we come to, verse 22 it says, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. 
He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in this land. So the word Rehoboth means room to flourish. So the third thing that a well digger does is a well digger creates space for growth. As a well digger, you are sourcing water for the people in your community. You're making it possible so that people in your community that couldn't, drink, couldn't dig a well themselves, actually they have now got something to drink. They have now got access to water. For us, as we, as we dig into God's presence, as we dig into his words, as we dig wells for the people in our town, in our communities, in our families, we are creating the opportunity for people that have not um, able, so they can access God for themselves. Jesus is a God that transforms lives. He heals people. He um, does incredible things in our worlds. I'm sure so many have, have testimonies of times when you know God has brought breakthrough in your life. For, for our role in this is we, we don't create water. We talk about Jesus, how he is the living water, that we don't create water ourselves. We have simply got to make it accessible for people. That digging a well, when someone digs a well, they're not creating something out of scratch, but actually they're making something accessible for a wider community. You are giving people an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to access God's presence. The, the process of digging a well is is a, a faith journey as well. For if each and every one of us, whatever that might look like, it might be time spent in God's presence that you, you don't normally do. It might be um, serving in different ways, serving the people in your street, serving in church. But in each of these times when we're willing to, to put others before ourselves and say, I'm digging for someone else, I'm digging for this town, I'm digging for this community, that God is going to do something in your life as well. God is going to grow you. God is going to grow your capacity. He's going to grow your faith. He's going to grow your heart and your love for the people around you. It's a journey of growth for yourself, but also for God's church and for his kingdom. You know that we serve an exponent, a God of exponential growth, don't we? That we don't serve a God of one add one and two add two, but we serve the God of multiplication. And in and through that, that we can, we can often think, I can only kind of see what, what my act is doing. That whether it's stood outside in a car park, welcoming people in, whether it's helping the kids, you can, you can think, actually, I can only see the small of what my act is doing. But God is using your act to do incredible things. And as we serve him, as we trust him, as we live in obedience with God, God is going to use that and he's going to honor that. And we, we always don't see the way that God works in people's lives. But that small part is playing, some, playing a big part in what God is doing in this town. I um, through, through COVID and the pandemic, I know lots of us started different activities. I know a lot of people kind of got jigsaws out the cupboard and things that have been stuck in there for 20 years. Um, took up new hobbies and different things like that. Uh, but one thing I did was I taught my eldest son how to play chess. Are there any chess players in tonight? One, yes, two, a couple of chess players, yeah, three, that's good. Um, but yeah, for anyone that doesn't know how to play chess, um, you've got all these different pieces um, on a chess board, and each piece has different rules for how it can move. So you've got the, uh, the pawns of the little one at the front, and they can literally take one step forward at a time. They can't move to the sides, they can't go backwards, they can literally take one step forward. You've got the, the castles, they can move side to side, forwards and backwards, but they can't go diagonal. You've got the bishops that can just do diagonals, and they obviously always stay on one colour square, they always stay in the black squares or the white squares. Um, you've got the queens, which are a bit like the multitaskers, they can do everything, a bit of everything, side to side, diagonals, go as far as they want, 
come back. Um, you've got the king. It's obviously very important that it just kind of takes one step at a time in any direction. The king wouldn't jog or run. The king's just one step at a time. And then you've got the knights, which are a bit funny because they can, they can jump over, over the pieces, but they don't jump in a straight line. They always jump a bit to the side uh, as well. So I explained this to my child about how all the different pieces on the chessboard can move. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great picture, actually, of, of God's church, that whatever you feel like, whatever chess piece you might feel like in this place, you might feel like, I can only do this little. Well, I can only do this bit. Or I'm only someone that can go side to side. Don't make me, don't make me go diagonal. That's not, that's not what I do. Don't make me go backwards. I can't do that. It might be anything. Honestly, you might think, I can do anything, but don't let me go on. Don't put me on stage. Or might be, I, can, I can do this. I can work with children, but don't, don't let me speak to adults. Whatever it is in your, in your world, um, Whatever it is in your world, you think, actually, I can, I can only do this. But on a chess piece, that each piece has got a purpose. Each piece plays, plays its part in somebody winning the game. Each piece has a purpose to be in the right place at the right time. So I've taught my child the rules. The next thing I've got to try and teach him is the tactics of how to win a game. He knows how to move all the pieces around but he doesn't know how to get all the pieces in the right place at the right time to get somebody in checkmate. But that's the incredible thing about God, isn't it? That God knows each and every one of our lives. God knows each and every one of where we're at. And actually, he's placed you to be in the right place at the right time for his purposes. So the the place you go to work, the, the place where you live, the family that you're in, God has placed you to be in that place at the right time. So never feel like you are in the wrong place or waiting to be somewhere else or you need God to move you to be effective. Actually, God has placed you right now to be in the right place at the right time for his purposes. He's created you in a space to influence people to create growth. The fourth well, um, this is into verse 32. It says, Um, That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, we found water. He called it Sheba. To this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba. The fourth thing is well diggers recognize God's blessing. Sheba means oath, the fulfillment of God's promises. This journey that, that Isaac had been on ended with this well actually calling it actually fulfillment of God's promise. That journey that had been on, God is a God of incredible promises. Now I've got, we've got three children um, and they're seven, six and three, their ages. Um, so as you can maybe imagine if you had children yourself, we get asked a lot of questions. Um, so a lot of things like, can we have this? Can we do that? Can I have this? Um, and often these questions are kind of birthday related. So it might be kind of a couple of months after one of their birthdays, and they'll say, oh, Dad, for my next birthday, can I have this? Can I get this present? Or at my next birthday party, can we do this at my birthday party? And you're thinking, well, that's 10 months down the line. Also, the easiest thing is to go, yeah, yeah, that's fine, thinking, yeah, they'll, they'll forget about it. But children don't always tend to forget the things that you've promised for their birthday party. So we've got to be very, very careful what I say yes to when my children are asking me questions. I think I probably need a notebook, actually, to write down all the things that they're asking, just to remember what I've said yes to my children, because there'll come a time, 10 months down the line, and they say, Dad, you said I could have this at my birthday party, and you're like... 
yeah, that was 10 months ago. Um, but we serve a God that is never, ever going to um, let us down on anything that he promises us. For, for the, the God that he is, that he cares so much about us, we recognize we are serving, we are worshiping a God that he has promised to stand with us. He has promised to pour out his blessing in um, all that we're doing. That As we honor and we serve him, he said he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's going to work in and through us. We have such a faithful God. I want to encourage you this evening that it's worth being a well digger. It's worth digging in to God's presence for our worlds because our God never, ever fails. He's never, ever going to let us down. It's worth being a well digger because of the thing that you're digging for. That people dug wells naturally for water so people could literally drink. But we're digging into God's presence to help people access his spirit so that we can make God's spirit accessible for our town, for our communities. As we spend that time in prayer, as we spend that time serving God, as we give and we sacrifice what we've got and give that over to God and say, use this, that God will honor that. God is going to work in and through us. We serve a miracle working God. That verse in John chapter 7 It says, Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you'd all just like to close your eyes uh, and bow your heads. There might be people in here that actually say, I've never actually experienced God's spirit in my life. I've never had a relationship with God myself. If that's you this evening and you think, actually... I feel a bit thirsty. I feel like I'm missing something. I'm longing for something in my life. Then Jesus says his words. He says, come to me and I will give you something to drink. If that's you this evening and you want to say, actually, God, I want to come to you instead of trying to fix all my things myself. I want to recognize that, put you first in my life, give you the opportunity to give me something to drink. If that's you this evening, then just raise your hand now. Our God is a God that will never leave us, never forsake us, never let go on his promises. Just one last chance. That's anybody in this evening that says, actually, I want to I have that relationship with you tonight, God. Then just raise your hand now. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. If you'd like to stand, church. The question I want to ask you this evening, are you willing to dig wells for your community? Are you willing to dig into God's presence for this town, for your family? I want to think about right now, what is, what is in your heart? What is God laying on your heart? Is it a, a person? Is it a group of people? What is it that God's put in your heart now? Are you going to be a well digger, someone that seeks and stands on God's truth? Someone who perseveres when times are hard, that keeps going, even when it looks like there's no fruit. Who creates room for growth and ultimately who recognizes God's blessing, who recognizes God's promises, what he's doing in and through us. I believe that God is going to do a new thing in Barney. In um, in worship, God showed me the picture of the the time when disciples are in the boat and they'd, they'd cast the nets out on one side and he said, no, no, just... Cast your nets on the other side. 
believing that 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 time is coming, God's just going to give you that word saying, no, cast your nets on the other side of the water. That it's not about doing anything massively different or a a new program or anything like that, but a simple word from God that says, no, cast your net in a different place. And there's incredible blessing, there's incredible fruit coming for this town. God, I thank you for this church, God. I thank you for everybody stood here in this place, in this building tonight, Lord. And I pray for us all, Lord, that we can all be people that continually to seek to dig wells for this broken world, Lord God. For people that are unable to access that, your presence are going to dig for themselves, God. That we can be people that will dig into your truth, will dig into your word, will dig into your presence, God. And make your spirit enable that to flow through our town, to flow through uh, the lives of the people in this place, Lord God. And that you will bring breakthrough. You will bring transformation, God. We will hear incredible testimonies of healing, of restoration, God. At the times you stepped in and impacted and transformed this community, Lord Jesus. We're believing for your word to, to land in so many hearts, Lord God, through this town, God. And we will see many more lives come to you in the coming weeks and months and years, God. And that we will always be people that are willing to dig in, God. Dig in and persevere. Dig in and stand on your word, God, to see your kingdom come in this place, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.